This is Fundraising Radio, episode number 15. And today, as a guest speaker, we have Ari Hirsch, the founder of uh, InstaSteam, who raised uh, over $100,000 up to date and Mm -hmm. is planning to raise even more in the upcoming rounds. And uh, before we get started, I just wanted to mention that our sponsor is Marple App, which is a great app that helps you test really quick marketing campaigns with no really effort. So um, check it out in the description. I'll leave the link and let's get started. Ari, uh, why don't you give us some background on yourself and uh, tell us a little bit about InstaSteam. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So my background is uh, probably marketing and web development. That was probably the first industry I worked in, uh, first job I had. Um, You know, then transitioning from that, I went into uh, really starting InstaSteam um, and uh, I basically applied, you know, all my web development and marketing skills into InstaSteam and then kind of, uh, you know, took some of my skills in business and, you know, grew those through starting InstaSteam. Um, but uh, InstaSteam is really the first business that I that I started on my own. Um, and uh, and I, we've been running it for probably over two years now. And uh Thank God it's been pretty successful. So. Right, yeah. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about, more about InstaSteam? Because uh, even when we first met and you explained to me, I was really confused because I've never even thought of anything other than irony in my clothes. So can you tell a little bit, just like a couple minutes about the technology and yeah, sure. what it does? Um, so, yeah, uh, so InstaSteam um, was a product that I came out with when I was doing a lot of traveling, uh, especially throughout Europe. Um, and I realized that there's really no good solution, especially when you're doing when you're constantly traveling to different places. There's really no good solution getting the wrinkles out of your clothing. Um, and uh, especially, you know, not all the hotels have irons in the hotel rooms and they're just annoying to use um, and, and potentially could burn your clothing. Um, so I realized that, you know, almost everywhere I was going, I, I had a garment bag with me. And I thought to myself, if my garment bag can somehow steam my clothing, and then I could just take it out when I get to my destination, you know, that would be amazing because it's, you know, it would be extremely fast and convenient. You know, I could bring it with me anywhere I go because I'm already traveling with the garment bag. Um, so that's when I came up with the concept. You know, I made a little sketch video, you know, sh- you know started showing it to different people to get, see if it was a, a viable product and something that people would, would actually want to use. And um, people, people really loved the idea. So that's when I started to you know, uh, do a lot of research and uh, buy different materials and did a lot of testing to see if it was even a product that was possible uh, to be created. Um, And then uh, eventually, you know, I was after doing a lot of testing and and modifying the product, I was able to create InstaSteam, uh, where now it's a little pod that you fill with water made up of all natural minerals. Um, And you just fill that pod with water, you insert it at the bottom of your garment bag and zip it up and it steams your clothing for you inside the garment bag. Um, and uh, we're now the first, you know, clothing steamer that's allowed aboard airplanes and cruise ships because we're electricity-free and non-flammable. Um, so I really accomplished, you know, the convenience and a lot of I solved a lot of other problems um, aside for just the convenience of steaming your clothing, but also, you know, in the travel industry, just traveling with a, a steamer also. Um, and that's that's pretty much pretty much what Insta Steam is. Yeah, that sounds pretty pretty convenient. And uh, let's move then to the major topic of our podcast, fundraising. So did you raise money before you've created the demo version of, well, I call it demo version, but pretty much the prototype of InstaSteam or after that? 
So what I did is I basically, I started the company with basically like $700 and that's how I created the, like a first working prototype on my own. It didn't look that nice at all. There was no like printing on the packaging at all. Um, but I created a first, my first working prototype. Um, once I had that, that allowed me to basically show proof of concept and bring on my first like angel investor. Um, and that's when I really raised uh, my first round to manufacture the product, do the initial design and, you know, really get it off the ground. Um, so I, I kind of created a working prototype before I raised money. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, just to clarify, how, how much did you start with, you said? So but, but just for the first, the first investment, because I was doing a lot on my own, I didn't really need anything significant. I just needed that little push. So the first, inv- the first angel investor that we brought on um, only invested about twenty thousand mm-hmm. um, dollars, and that was enough for to make the like the first purchase order and you know, you know the initial design and to really just get their product off the ground and to create it. Um, and then after that, once we had that the product, um, we were able to start selling it and the product to make money on its own. Um, and therefore, you don't. That's the difference between having a physical product and and uh, like a an app or something technology based. Right. Um, when you have a physical product, as soon as you have the product, you can immediately start making money off of it just by selling it. And when you have technology, it could take some time before you're actually able to start making money off the technology because you have to you know build a user base or however the technology works. It could take some more time. Um, so right. once we when, that first little investment, we were really able to start making some money on our own and and kind of run the company without having to raise millions of dollars right away. Yeah, you hear that earlier in the background, <laughs> constant sirens. Yeah. Uh, so uh, speaking of uh, physical versus technological product, do you think it's easier to raise money for a physical product or for uh, some tech sort of product? Um. I don't necessarily think it's easier for either one. I think that they're completely different um, and you have to be prepared in, in both industries. Um, if you, when you have technology, um, it could be a little bit easier to raise m- money earlier on because no one really expects you to have, you know, a, a, in technology, sometimes you, no one really expects you to have a working product right away that um, has to be making money right now. Right. You know, you can really come to someone with the concept with, if it's technology and, and, you know, show them what it could be, um, and get investors when you have a physical product, you know, really to really get investors on board, you, have, you really have to have like a test market proof of concept and have the actual physical product to actually show them how it works. Because when it comes to physical products, sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. And so unless you have the product and you test it already, you know, they're going to be scared to actually invest in it. You know, with technology, um, you know, once you, if you have, once you have the concept the, in technology, the concept is really the product that's that, you know, the technology could be built for sure. You know that you can definitely build the technology. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a lot easier to invest in technology faster. Um, but you know, if you're prepared in both industries, you can raise money. You just, you just have to know what you're doing and in both of them. Right. So, uh, hold on a second. I'm, uh, taking some notes while you're speaking. So I'm kind of lagging a little bit. <laughs> Um, what did I want to, oh, so you said after you got first angel round of 20,000, I wanted to ask how hard was it to get those 20,000? Like how many meetings did you have approximately or how many investors did you approach? Um, 
with that, with the 20,000, I think it was relatively easy. I, I, I didn't have to contact that many people. And I started within my like inner circle of connections, people that I was connected to. Um, a lot of times when you, when you do your initial round or when you first start raising money for your company, you're not, you're, you're going to really start with either friends and family or, or like people that you know already around you. You don't, mm -hmm. you, it's a lot harder to, you know, go outside of that circle right away. Um, so for the 20, 20,000, I, I was a connection that I already had. Um, so it was relatively easy to get that. Um, especially because so, we had other interests in, right. the, in the product. Since you're saying it was much easier, yeah. I assume the following rounds were much harder. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So, yeah, so the initial round is easy because, you know, no one expects the product to be that crazy yet. You know, it's, it's, it's still the initial, you know, the, the beginning stages. So no one knows exactly how it's going to go yet. So they're investing in the product and, and the potential, you know, a little bit later on, once, you know, so you, you get, you have a lot more expectations from investors. Um, so, you know, they, they, sometimes they're going to expect sales at that point. They're going to expect to see a lot more deals. Um, you know, so if you don't keep showing the proof of concept and keep up with the, and, you know, show them that the company's constantly growing, you know, it makes it harder and harder to get investors if you're not keeping up. Um, so it was a little bit harder later on because the company needed a lot more money than we had. And we, and, and it, so it was harder to get the investors on board because we couldn't show them that much. Um, yet we had a good product that was, that was, that when we had proof of concept, but we didn't have the, the sales to back it up. Um, so the, the second round took a lot longer to, uh, to, to, to raise. Um, we got, we got a lot of interest, you know, it was a lot, it was, we, we met with tons of investors and, you know, they all went pretty well, but it took a while to close, you know, that second round. How, how, how long approximately did it take you from like the first meeting till the closing of the deal till receiving the check let's say so yeah uh, well so for the the second round it literally took one what the investor that we got for the second round um we probably closed the deal within a week or two oh um, that's pretty quick yeah yeah um but it, it took a while to but we went through a, a bunch of different means with different investors until we found this investor so you know once we got the right investor it was we closed the deal right away um but uh, it, it, sometimes it takes a while to even get that investor. You go, you go, it, you also have to, you, there's a lot of different investors out there. There's investors that, you know, are good, you know, for the connections, there's investors that are just good for money. And then there's investors that are good for both. Um, you know, so what was hard for us is that we weren't just looking for investors to give us money. We wanted investors that had, you know, the, the connections and the, and the expertise in the industry along with the money. Um, and it's a lot harder to find that, especially when you're dealing with physical products and every physical product also has a specific industry. So it, it, there's a really small window of investors that can really fit that profile. Um, right. So. Right. So uh, while I was uh, making some like small research about your fundraising, uh, I found a campaign on Indiegogo of mm -hmm. InstaSteam and you've raised uh, $242. That's it, not thousands. Uh, can you talk a, bit, a little bit about that? Like. Uh, what was that? So that was pre, that was like pre product already that we didn't even have the actual product yet. Mm -hmm. um, that was even before we got bring up, brought on our first investor. Um, and I really just did that. I just wanted to have 
you know, I wanted some SEO. So like just by putting it on Indiegogo, it would show up on Google. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I know it's another sales channel. Um, I already knew that I was already raising money with other investors. So I wasn't using Indiegogo as a sale, as a channel to really raise money. Um, it was really just another way to have Instasteam on another website. Um, the way Indiegogo works is it's not just about creating a campaign and putting out a good product on there. There's you actually have to invest a lot of money into an Indiegogo or Kickstarter campaign for it to be successful. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, you always see these campaigns that are raising thousands or millions of dollars on Indiegogo. Those companies are probably spending, you know, way over 10,000, you know, they could be spending 10 to hundred thousand dollars just on that campaign, just to raise that money. Um, you know, cause they're doing a lot of marketing. Right. Um, yeah. So it's not necessarily just, a way for you to post a product and raise money. It's, it's actually another sales channel where you're gonna have to do marketing to, to sell on there. Um, so it wasn't something that we were really concentrating on. It was just another way for us to just post it somewhere. Um, and that's why we only raised $242 because it was pre-product. Um, so we didn't even have the actual product yet. Um, and we, we didn't do any marketing for it. So we just let it sit there um, mm-hmm. and let it show up on Google by itself. Got it. Yeah, that's like one of the first searches uh, that showed up when I looked the yeah. system up. So yeah, that yeah. makes total sense. Do you think <clears throat> you should have focused more on the uh, Indiegogo campaign? So you said that it's not really for raising money, but it's like an extra sales channel, right? So uh, yeah. do you think that's a good sales channel to improve your sales of a physical product? So it, it, it is, it's, it's, it's for both raising money, but also selling your product. So it's not it's it's not just so when you get money on Indiegogo, you're selling the product. So you're not just getting right. it's not like yeah. investing, investing money. So you you actually have to send the product to that person after, depending on which you know perk that they're buying. Um, I think that it, it's a definitely for for starting companies. If you don't have the connections um, to raise money or to grow your company, I think Indiegogo and Kickstarter are amazing platforms. If you put in the effort, um, it's a great way for you to to, to sell your initial product. And also to, you know, basically make enough money to operate your company and grow it. Um, so it's definitely, it's an amazing platform for people that need it. Um, I personally didn't need it because I had the connections and the investors um, to help me with that. So I, it wasn't worth my time to really put in the effort to, to do an Indiegogo campaign. Um, but it, it can never hurt. It never hurts to do an Indiegogo campaign, especially if you're going to put in the effort. Um, you're going to raise money if you have a good product on there. Right, yeah, there are many success stories, great success stories on Indiegogo and uh, Kickstarter. And by the way, people, uh, our next episode is going to be um, a guy who created a peanut butter pump and raised over $140,000 on Indiegogo, which is just like insane. Um, just letting you know. <laughs> and the story is pretty... Huh? Was he the guy on Shark Tank? Uh, guy what? Was, was he is this guy the guy that was on Shark Tank? Yeah, right. And he was on Shark Tank yeah. as well. And uh, the Shark Tank guys are just, I saw the episode and those guys were insane. Uh, sorry, Ari, for taking time of your uh, episode. But uh, on Shark Tank, they were like, uh, he was well valued, I believe, at uh, 1 million and asking for $200,000. And mm-hmm. one of them said, hey, you, your company is not even worth $200,000. While he just made an Indiegogo campaign where he pre-sold his products for $140,000. I'm like, bro, are you stupid or something? Anyways, <laughs> let's get back to the yeah. topic of uh, Insysteam. And mm-hmm. uh, I wanted to ask you, like, how, how are the sales of a physical product work? So uh, what's the major traction channel? 
traction channel here? So what we've been doing, because we're such a new concept, um, direct to consumer has probably been the hardest to uh, for us. Um, because in order to do direct to consumer, you have to put a lot into marketing. Mm -hmm. um, and um, and in order to, and in order to you know if you when you when you're going to put a lot of money into marketing, you want to make sure you're putting it into the right sales channel. Um, and for us, since we're a new concept, a lot of the normal sales channels like social media marketing and and stuff like that doesn't really work for us because it, there's not a 30 second spot on on Instagram is not going to. Uh, give us enough time to to show people what the product is and sell it to them, and you know, explain the entire thing to them. Um, so we we get tons of clicks and and tons of traction through those things, but um, not a lot of conversions. Um, so what's working for us? What we've been really been concentrating on is working on the B two B side and and wholesaling it to other companies, who in return are really doing marketing for us because they're selling the product as well, um, and that's really. You know, one of the best you know sales uh, marketing channels that we've been that have been working for us is other companies marketing it. Um, we've also you know been on TV, so you know we we were on Home Shopping Network and mm -hmm. you know on the news on KTLA and uh, um, some other you know TV shows as as well. Um, so a lot of those work as well because uh, people like to see other people using the product. Um, a lot, one of the best sales channels now is is using influencers and and some and natural marketing because. You know, people don't want to be pushed and sold the product. You know, they, they like to see other people using it, enjoying it, and then they feel comfortable buying it at that point. Um, so, but our, our if we're, direct to consumer, aside from the wholesale part, Amazon has probably been the biggest sales channel for us. And that's where everyone really likes to buy the product. Right. Yeah. Amazon is like the backbone of pretty much any physical product sold in the US. Uh, so you said you had some uh, TV time. Can you talk a little bit about that? Uh, how do you get into those sort of programs? How do you? Uh, what's the name of the program again? Home um, Home Shopping Network home was shopping. one of the first. Yeah, that was one of the first ones that we went on. A lot of people know it as QVC or or HSN. Um, it's it's uh, one of the sharks from Shark Tank. Laurie Grenier is uh, you know a big QVC person. Um, so it's 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 a it's a it's a TV show where where they sell they they show how the product works and sell it and talk about the product. So it's a shopping channel. Um, so that was one of the first things that we did. And um, and uh, so how how do you get to one of those programs? Do you pay them like a fee before you get any sales, or um, how does this structure work? So all the different all the different TV shows are different. So with with Home Shopping Network and QVC, um, I actually had a connection to. Uh, the company already, and the way they work, they're really a, a retailer. Even though they're a TV show, they, they actually sell the product. So what we do is we wholesale the product to them, mm -hmm. and then they sell it on the show. Oh, and um, yeah, so th there's really there's no upfront fees with them. It, it's more like a partnership. So you got you you work together. They do the TV show and they sell the product, and then you know you wholesale it to them. Um, that's the way that works. But you know our, every TV show is different. Some of them we have to pay for spots on. And some of them are natural marketing where it's the news and they just decide to put us on. Um, so they're, they're all different. That's pretty cool. I've uh, never really talked to anyone who worked with someone like home shopping or anything like that. I only saw it on TV. <laughs> so uh, what was your experience like with home shopping? Did you make some good money on it or uh, was it like so-so? Yeah, so I, I, it, was, it was a good experience. Um, it didn't really meet my expectations. I thought it would be a lot bigger, mm -hmm. but but it did it did okay. Um, it was definitely a, a good opportunity to not only 
get content to reuse because we now can reuse all the TV content. Um, but, you know, it gave us a lot of recognition and, it, and it's a good, you know, backing because now you can, you can say that the product was on Home Shopping Network. Um, it gives it some validity. And um, so it, it was a good experience. Um, I, I would... I would probably do it again. You know, it's it's a different demo. Every every TV show is a different demographic, so right. it's just a little bit of a of an older demographic. I feel you don't have a lot of the younger people watching that type of show. That's for um, sure. Yeah. Um, now, if you think about it, it's not like such, it's not a, a, an extremely entertaining show. Um, you have a lot of people that are retired and have time to watch it. That's, those are the people that are watching it. And um, so, and our demographic isn't. Once we get to the older demographic, it's not really the, the demographic for for InstaSteam anymore. Our demographic really is like twenty five to fifty, you know. So it starts to slow down already there. So that's why I think that's why I was expecting a little bit more from it. But at the end of the day, I understood, you know, that their demographic wasn't exactly in our demographic, so it didn't really meet my expectations. Um, but it, it's definitely, you know, all the everything helps. There's no such thing as bad marketing. Um, all marketing is good. So, you know, publicity is publicity. So um, it definitely wasn't a bad experience, but it wasn't, I can't say it was amazing. Right. I got you. All right. Um, I think we'll wrap it up here since I'm out of questions really. And I think we've covered the major topics. Uh, so uh, the last question, uh, what would be the advice you would give yourself right before you started Insta's team? Um, the advice before I started InstaSteam? Yeah. Um, so obviously there's it's it's impossible not to make mistakes, you know, starting a company and running a company. So I, I can't go back and you know, I, I can't tell I wouldn't be able to tell myself or tell someone else, you know, how not to make mistakes because that's impossible. Um but you know, I, what I give my it's it's really you, you should you have to have patience um, and and don't rush into deals. You know, you can you, a lot of times people are so excited to to bring on an investor to close a deal with a company, but you have to really do your research and be careful because it's it's really it's a long term game. It, you know, starting a company is not like a short term make money in five seconds. You know, it's a long term game, and you your every deal and every investor that you bring on is an, is is a big investment in the company. Um, and, and can really affect the company long term. So I my advice is to really, you know, take the time to research, you know, any investor or deal that you're working on um, and make sure that it's uh, it's something that's really going to benefit and be good for the company in the long run. Um, because I've, I've seen a lot of people that, you know, are so quick to bring on deals and it really messes up the company, you know, pretty fast. Um, and there's there's always new opportunities. You know, you, sometimes you're going to, you're going to, meet with an investor or have a deal that's, you know, in the middle of being set up and you think it's the best deal that's happening to you right now. But, you know, a couple of weeks later or a month later, you're going to see another deal that's even better than that. So there's always new opportunities and better opportunities. So, you know, don't think that, you know, every, when you have an opportunity, it's the only opportunity that you're ever going to have. There's many opportunities that you're going to have. Um, and just, it's about making smart decisions and not rushing into things. Right. Yeah. That's actually a great advice. People usually think that like, Hey, startup is all about getting rich fast. No, man, it's not. <laughs> it yeah. definitely is not the case. All right. Thanks a lot, Ari. Uh, I will uh, put up the link for InstaSteam uh, in the description. And uh, thanks a lot, everyone, for joining us. And thanks a lot, Ari, for sharing your experiences.